Hello, this is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. My name's Kyle Bird, and my co-host, Mr. Matt Parmley, has something hey, to s- yes, and he has something to say to all of you out there in podcast land. So we are announcing a fan contest. Uh, we want you, our lovely listeners, to have a chance to come on our show and record an episode with us, and you can pick the topic. So the way this works, being in contests, is you go out to Facebook or Twitter and share our latest episode, whatever that happens to be, and then you email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com a list of topics that you think might be cool to come on and discuss with us, and then we will select a random winner uh, sometime in early February, and then we will record an episode in late February, all right? So the way this works, one more time, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, share the latest episode, and then immediately after that, email us a list of topics that you think will be fun to discuss. Got it? Make sense? And yeah, you get to choose the topic you want to talk to us about, as long as it's within the the boundaries of what we do. Uh, We want to talk to you, so share the podcast, keep listening, and uh, hopefully you keep enjoying it. Cool, and... uh... Twitter is KT underscore podcast. Facebook, just look us up under Kaiju Transmissions. In our email, one last time, kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Hey everyone, just wanted to pop in real quick and let you know if you didn't listen to the last show, uh, this is going uh, part two of what was one long podcast. Uh, this is for the first three Ultra uh, shows, so last week we did Ultra Q. This is our discussion on Ultraman, and again, if it ends rather abruptly, it's because it was intended to be one full episode, but I hope you enjoy. Um, so Matt, uh, I know this is, um, your favorite of the three shows, I believe. And, uh, this is one that, that you wanted to talk about. So did you want to go over, um, kind of where, where did Ultraman come from? Well, yeah, I mean, kind of what you mentioned, uh, TBS was so confident in Ultra Q that basically before it, before it even aired, they started prepping for the next series. So, uh, Subaraya and Kinjo actually thought to use uh, a team of people to specifically handle scientific um, anomalies. So, he used the ideas that he came up with uh, in the Wu series to come up with uh, Bemler, or Bemular, depending on how you want to say that, 
um, which is kind of a, it was originally envisioned as a Garuda Tengu cross lizard creature that could grow giant. It would also have a human host, which is an idea that also became Ultraman. Um, and it would also help the team of human protagonists. Uh, the show was originally called Bimler Scientific Investigation Agency. And then um, TBS liked the idea of a monster hero fighting evil, um, but they didn't. They, they kind of thought that monster fighting monster would be a bit problem, problematic, and so they decided to, on a humanoid alien hero, which again would eventually become Ultraman. So then the title became uh, Redman, which you probably would be familiar with because Redman is something that does exist. Um, this idea, the, the plot car- carried over. I thought I just thought Redman was uh, a rapper. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, is uh, I'm trying to think. I had a quote in my head that just popped popped in. But I, I lost it. I'm trying to think if it'll come back to me or not. But yeah, Redman is um, the star star of How High. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the plot carried over ideas from Wu. Um, basically, invaders destroy Redman's planet. And then he melds with a human host. Um, this is kind of where the concept of the Henshin hero first took shape. He would transform uh, with a device called the Flash Beam, which would later become the, the Beta Capsule, um, which looked like a pen, and it created a flash of light that transformed him into Redman. And then the look of Redman was considered a bit too alien, so Narita looked at the art of Greece, Egypt, and some of the European... Um, renaissance and then you combine that with japanese buddhist and zen stories to kind of redesign ultraman the name Redman was dropped and ultraman is what came out of that um then they added things like the color timer now Redman was later turned into uh a godman like series of low budget monster fights that would air on television in 1972 and actually was recently brought back uh by Subaraya as a comic that was uh, done by matt frank now, have you guys, uh, Bird, have you seen Godman? <laughs> yes, yes. We, we've talked, we've mentioned Godman a couple times. Uh, it's, it's really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the worst and strangest things um, uh, probably ever. <laughs> yeah, like reused Toho suits, but they all looked, I mean, like beyond dilapidated, kind of like they were on drugs right before they started filming. Like the suits looked like they were the ones taking the drugs. Like that's yeah. how... And, um, it, yeah, and you can look up some Redman uh, stuff, and those, those Subaraya kaiju aren't holding up much better, let me tell you that. <laughs> um, so now we get to Ultraman. We have the... Um, it's, it's the Basically, the, the whole story with Ultraman is it follows the Science Special Search Party, which um, is known in the U.S. version as what they refer to as like the, the Science Patrol. Or Thank the scientific. God. Yeah, I know, that's way better. <laughs> the SSSP... Um, and the story re- revolves basically around uh, Hayata, who is he's part of the, the Space Patrol. He's out on a mission. He sees these two orbs. One's, I think, blue. One's red. And they have this, there's a crash. And basically, it ends up killing Hayata. But in the process, Ultraman uh, bonds with Hayata to, to save his life. That's kind of how the, that fusion sort of takes place. Um, there's, there's some pretty interesting um character my, my favorite thing about this show are some of the characters i really like the characters a lot but you have um captain muramatsu who's who's called just captain mira in the u.s version um you have arashi who's kind of like 
uh, he he's basically your tough guy. Like he's going to be the the guy that it's like the kind of marksman of the group. Um, you have Ide, who's my favorite character of the bunch. Um, and he, for some reason, they changed his name to Ito in the U.S. dub. I don't know why they would do that. But um, then you have uh, Fuji, who is played by Hiroku Sakurai, who I, I mentioned before. I She's charming, beautiful. And I told my wife, I'm like, I, I really like this girl, Sarah. And she was like, it's fine. I have Thor. So I'm like, all right, that's fair. Um, then you have the little kid, um, Isamu, I think. Hoshino, that's, that's his name. And he kind of just gets in trouble. He basically hangs out with the uh, sp- the science patrol, and he always finds himself in kind of weird, precarious situations. And then sometimes Ultraman has to come in and save the day. So that's your main uh, cast of characters. Um, and one thing that's so I'm going to go into some notable things about this between uh, this and Ultra Q. They had less time to produce the episodes. There's 39 episodes of Ultraman, so imagine rushing um, the same production schedule, but now you have more episodes, so you're going to have to spend less time per episode. Um, TBS also pushed up the production to try to beat uh, Space Giants, another show. Another show. They, they wanted to beat them to the air, um, and also because the final episode of Ultra Q was pulled from schedule. Um, it, it was pulled from schedule because it didn't have a monster. So basically, what... Uh, t- Superaya did was they wanted to come up with this idea of the birth of Ultraman. It was like a TV special. Um, they produced that, and by doing so, it allowed them to have more production time for the first um, Ultraman episode to actually come on air. And the script writers, one thing I found interesting, um, the script writers really didn't describe their monsters. So, like, Narita would just have to come up with the, the monster design all himself. Um, as an example, uh, Zaragus is described as a dumpling monster with red eyes. If you know what that monster looks lo- looks like, I mean, you can kind of see what he had to work with and the, how the concept was then fleshed out. Um, Tori Narita also designed Bolton, and like the the original design concept for that was um, a cicada, basically a modified cicada with scissor hands. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, Raygon from the previous Ultra Q, uh, the same suit actor. Um, that played Gamera actually played Raygon in that, and then of course Ben Furia played Ultraman. He's the the the, uh, the suit actor that played Ultraman. Um, there's some cool behind the scenes. There's a really cool behind the scenes Ultraman making of video. It's on YouTube. Literally, just type in Ultraman making of, and you'll see it. It's it's about 40 minutes long. It's subtitled, um, but there's some really awesome behind the scenes stuff from there. So I'm going to kind of recap some of the information that was on that episode or on that. Um, behind the scenes one of the cool things that people know about ultraman is you have that iconic moment where ultraman puts puts his fists up in the air and he first comes uh transforms from hayata into ultraman that prop is shot in forced perspective it was actually like a giant hand and the further down the body you got the 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 part was smaller so basically you have a giant fist and like a smaller head and basically non-existent legs and they would shoot that in a forced perspective to show the illusion of ultraman transforming um Another thing I didn't know uh, was uh, Jisoji, who's directed tons of the Ultraman episodes. He, did, he directed the one with uh, Jamila. Um, that's actually my favorite of the bunch. He actually did have several disagreements with uh, some of the special effects directors, specifically Koichi Takano. Um, one instance, they didn't like that uh, there's a scene where Hayata comes out to use his beta capsule, and it's right after they're having um, like dinner. Hayata mis- mistakenly takes a spoon from dinner and tries to transform with that. 
I actually thought that moment was hilarious. I laughed out loud the first time I saw it. Um, but they were trying to stay away from keeping Ultraman a, a comedy. So like there were some clashes about the type of tone that Jisoji would use for his episodes compared to some of the other directors. Um, another cool thing that I learned is they actually would use different kinds of buildings. So you would have your big gigantic matte painting with like clouds or a cityscape or whatever. And they would actually put flat buildings against that matte. And then your, your, your larger, you know, 3d buildings would actually be put in front of that to kind of give the illusion of depth in a city. Um, they would even cut apart like buildings that were made of plaster, the way that they would explode and make them look realistic when exploding, they would pre-cut the building so when the explosion went off, it would blow it up um, in a very predictable way, but also look realistic as the way that buildings should look if they were being, you know, swatted by monsters. Um, water sequences were shot on a dry stage, which we know that before, but the way they would get the illusion was they would film it in front of a giant water tank, not giant, but a small water tank, and then they would shine light through the water tank onto the soundstage um, and then film it that way, and that would give the illusion of having bubbles um, and the way they get the bubbles, they would actually put plaster in the water because plaster is porous, um, bubbles would actually come up. And so that's kind of how they got some of the water scenes. There's a bunch of cool little tricks. I mean, they painted the piano wires, wires, um, certain colors to basically hide them. Um, so I've been, I've been jabbing on for a while. Let's talk about maybe some of your, um, favorite episodes and what do you guys think about the, the show itself? I just want to say real quick that the guy who um, plays Captain Murrah, when we talked about in the Common Rider episode, he also plays uh, Toby Tachibana, which is like the mentor figure for all the Common Riders. So he's kind of like the original um, uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, as far as the Bill Paxton was, in, uh, he was killed by the alien Terminator and Predator, and so um, <laughs> this actor is kind of tied to you know. Japan's two most iconic live-action superheroes. Um, so that's kind of a cool little uh, factoid. Um, I know you. I think you said this was your least favorite of the three. Uh, no, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's kind of hard for me to evaluate. I love them all for different reasons, and I guess. I guess uh, you know through through talking about it, um, I, I'll be able to come to a, a definite con- conclusion. But um, I mean, I love this show. Um, like Ultra Q, I, I first uh, wanted to watch some Ultraman because I heard the Godzilla suit was reused as, as Giras, um, and so I I watched those episodes. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when it hit DVD out here, I went and bought those and. Uh, Part of the reason I never got into Ultraman was because I knew if I did, I would like it, and it would throw me into some, like, rabbit hole, uh, and that's exactly what happened. It's part of why I'm, like, afraid to watch more Kamen Rider, because it's like, uh, I'm gonna like all this, and now I'm gonna have to watch a billion things, which uh, isn't the worst problem to have, but, um, uh, this probably does have, I, I, I like the characters in all three of these shows. Uh, I'll say that. But this probably does have... I know, Matt, you really like the characters here. And so do I. Um, but they're all just kind of like types. You know, you have your goofy guy. You have your stoic hero. You have your boss man. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's probably a big part of why the characters don't resonate with me as much. Um, I think 
Actually, on that, th- this show has the best characters as well, with the exception of the lead. Uh, I think um, this is going to sound Hayata. you know blasphemous, but Hayata is boring as hell, man. That's how I feel about Dan. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I don't. That's, that's wow. out of that I is know, an, I know. that is an out of control statement. We'll get into that yeah. when we get to the next <laughs> show. But uh, <laughs> um, is it boring by any means? But like, his character isn't why I love the show so much. It's more like I love Ide. Yeah, it, 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 he has moments of like. It sounds like you're more into the supporting characters. But I, I feel like they like Ida steals the show in a lot of episodes, and I you know Arashi is he's always trying to be this awesome badass, and he finally gets his moment at the, in the last episode. And Ida has some really like honestly this this has probably my favorite episode of any Ultraman show, and it has my favorite line um, from any Ultraman show, which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes. But like it, this, I love. I, I can agree that Hayata is kind of eh. But everybody else is so awesome that like it never really bothered me. I guess it's a, it's a fun uh, cast. No, I totally agree. Like, um, I would watch like if Hayata wasn't involved. Like, that's a great cast. Um, Arashi's my favorite, but uh, Kiko's right up there also. Or Fuji's right up there also. Um, the captain, I think, can't do any better. Um, the one other exception, I guess, is I the little boy. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't like him. Luckily, luckily, the show drops him about halfway through. Just unceremoniously, it's awesome. Um, and at least and in the, a- at least in the U.S. version, he's uh, like he's he's um, Fuji's brother. I don't yeah. know. I I understand it's a kid show; they want to appeal to kids. But why would they let a kid be on this team of like monster fighters and like? Like that, it it's dumb, and they they had to have known it was dumb because he. Disappeared. I mean, kids solve every problem in the Gamera series. It can be the same for Ultimate. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they mean, probably uh, saw the Gamera movies and was like, "Oh, we should stop doing this." <laughs> yeah, you're just you're right. Like that idea has been done, and it's been done better. Like uh, uh, Johnny Sacco and Giant Robot, actually. Like the the show, you can say what you want about it, but. That is not a fault of the show. Like, right. the, well, that show there's explains, like an internal logic reason for him to be there. Yeah, and the kid is actually not. He's pretty. He's about as good as you can get for a, a kid actor in that type of show. And but in this one, he's just he's grading. It it doesn't make sense why he's involved. Um, I don't know. Some some episodes I just, I kind of like I just kind of want to turn it off. <laughs> um so uh, can we, go ahead, Bert. well I, I i mean i i was ready to just talk about a few of the standout episodes or, or creatures um i'm not sure matt did you want to go there yet or did you have something else to add uh, yeah, we're, we're, we, can, we can definitely do that okay uh well um bemler was uh brought back as the first enemy monster um not the tengu bird-like design uh from when he was going to be the serious hero, but um, that is the first episode. Uh, it's an iconic episode written by Shinichi Sekizawa, who wrote many of the great uh, uh, Toho films. Um, yeah. I I love Bimler. Um, 
is one of my favorite. Yeah, it's a it, weird it looking. Yeah, it's a weird looking monster, but I dig them. Um, of course, the most iconic Ultraman monster, uh, well, monsters, but the the big one is uh, the Baltan Sajin, who shows up for the first time here. Um, and yeah, it, is, it was a modified uh, Cicada Man from Ultra Q with, uh, you know, the big um, uh, claws added and that, that laugh, which I think has become iconic. Uh, Guillermo del Toro often talks about Baltan being one of his favorite uh, kaiju or, or, or seijin. Um, yeah, actually, um, do you, ha- you have his books, right? Yeah, yeah. In one of his books, he's, he's got like a, uh, Del Toro's that is, he's got a picture of um, his, like his animation sort of studio room where he does all of his drawings. Mm-hmm. And there's like a big two foot tall Baltan uh, figurine that stands like right next to where he does his drawings yeah. at. It's right, isn't it right next to um, like a legit like spookily realistic uh, statue of Linda Blair from The Exorcist? Uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, another picture. He moves. He so he moves that figure around because I've seen it in multiple rooms. Now you mention it. I know he's also got a Namigon from Ultra Q somewhere. I, I, I remember seeing that as well. Um, but yeah, uh, um, and for as popular as Baltan is, I'm gonna. I, I love the design. I love the creepy laugh. But I'm gonna admit something. At least in this series, not the biggest fan of those episodes. I totally agree. I'm not sure why this one, this this creature took. I mean, it's a great design. He's cool, but I don't know why it, he took off to the extent that he did, where he is in like every show and is like he's like Ultraman's Joker. Practically. I don't get it either, to be honest. Maybe Matt can chime in with something that he's seen that he's not. Honestly, but, no, he's not. He's not my favorite. Either. <laughs> yeah, like I've just never seen anything that like makes him deserving of that status, where he's like. Oh no! He he seriously he almost killed Ultraman in that episode, or like he killed half the science team. I've never seen. He's always kind of like, um, like a Scooby Doo villain. Like they just he just can't get his act together, and they always defeat him rather easily. I I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen the right stuff, but I've seen quite a few Ultra series, and he's always kind of treated. Um, like he deserves respects, but then none of his actions actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 very strange that 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 became like his big bad. It would be like if instead of King Ghidorah, Godzilla kept having to fight like Gabra. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad, but but still, yeah, it's you know, yeah, it, it yeah, it's not the most interesting episodes. Um, uh. Uh, so, um, a brief aside, uh, so yes, the Godzilla suit was reused, um, the Peter suit from Ultra Q was reused for, um, uh, Gasura, the, 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 um, the chocolate-loving monster, um, and, uh, Bar- poor Baragon, man, man, Baragon is just, I can't imagine what the the Baragon suit must have smelled like Ass, when it came back to, to Toho. I just... Uh, so in, in this series, Baragon is reused as Naranga, Gabora, and Megular. Um, and 
then of course you know brought back to toho looking like poop which is why you know he's not the one that you know comes out of the ground in in paris and destroy all monsters but geez i and of uh, nakajima of course was in the suit for all three of those um uh <laughs> and I, I just i can't imagine a suit going through that the truth be told i love naranga Naranga's uh, cool, but of of the Baragon rehashes, I like Gabora the most. I, I and I really like how you know he has that weird um, frill that closes up into like an another head looking like a graboid. Yeah, or yeah, um, but it, it totally makes logical sense if you're a burrowing creature. That's kind of the way your anatomy would work. Um, guys, guys and, I have an important question to ask you. What? Yes. Uh, I need to. I need to ask you, Bird. Actually, I just. I want you to recap what happens to Skydon, and I've been waiting for this answer for like this entire episode. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll get to Skydon in just a second. Um, but Gabora, another. I mean, we've talked about Guillermo del Toro. If 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 it hasn't been evident enough, he is a huge Ultra nerd. Um, Matt or Eric, was it Ultraman X or Orb? One of the shows actually named a planet after him. I don't remember that being an X, and I haven't seen Orb yet, so it very well could have been. But I don't know. I remember he was, like, giddy as a schoolboy on Twitter. But speaking of uh, 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 Gabora and Del Toro, um, in Pacific Rim, one of the, like, C-tier kaiju at the end that's mo- uh, more like a cannon fodder monster at the end when they're in the, the, the sea... There's the monster Raiju, who is similar, uh, uh, was a homage to Gabora, how, like, he has a head that opens up, and, like, that's where, like, his actual head is. Um, well, uh, I mean, there are a lot of episodes and monsters I want to discuss, but Matt asks specifically about Skydon. And then um, you shot me down. Well, I wasn't done with my point, you dingus. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were. Well, I wasn't. Um, so Skydon uh, is a really fun episode, um, directed by Akio Jisoji, who, in my opinion, is the best director to direct these, um, and his episodes are always amazing. He's just an amazing director. I want to get into him uh, in, in a little bit, but um, Skydon, uh, the gimmick behind that monster is that he's super heavy, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this f- for the next two shows, but Ultraman tend to be real assholes <laughs> and uh these i want to talk about that really <laughs> specifically now because that also i'm starting to like rethink me rating this one higher than ultra q but like the, it's a it makes it hard for me to enjoy like the first uh third maybe two-thirds of the show sometimes because like Ultraman is an ass. Like he's not the iconic sort of Zen-like uh, superhero that we all see nowadays that you associate with him. Like it's basically like seeing Batman when he was still shooting fools with a you know, with a gun, or Superman like when he could just leap um, buildings instead of fly. Like it's really early and you can see it they're still figuring out it's like, like this it's like that through like all the shows up till like 80 though these guys are just uh, assholes i want I, I, to push back I, I think when we get to seven i think there's a little more consistency but like oh, when, seven, what seven's even worse seven's a sociopath 
okay, yes, the violence is <laughs> amped up even more, but him acting like an utter buffoon is is so so dampened gonna... down because like he like rips off the like a frill from Jairus and like does like the the the, the bullfighter yeah and he does shit like that like a, uh, what was it the dongo starts spanking him on his ass as he's riding up like a horse <laughs> like there's like stuff like that where it's it's just I think I think Ultraman it goes back and forth with that very comical sort of tone, but also he's chopping monsters in half at times, right? He's ripping no, he's, the bird. He's crazy. He's the freaking ripping joker, armed right? off monsters. And I don't even care. I don't personally. I don't care about the the violent. I care about when he's acting like an idiot. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, when he he rips off uh, the frill and he he's taunting taunting Jaras like a bullfighter, and then yeah, after he kills his ass, he like yeah. he tries to like <laughs> ceremoniously like put the frill back on, and like the sad music is playing. Well, yeah, but I mean, like it's just playing homage to like the whole bullfight bullfighter thing. But yes, it's like what is he like, doing? Uh, and then, and then two... um, one of my favorite episodes uh, is the one with a uh, C C Who's like the oh, monster yeah. that gets misplaced and he's on the wrong planet? And he, man, this this poor guy, he just wants to go home. He, that's all he wants. He's staring at the stars. He's crying. He just wants to go <laughs> home. And Ultraman's like, "Okay, I'll send you home, but first I'm going to beat the shit out of you, and then I'm going to tie you to a rocket and launch you in, back into space where you belong in the in in the rocket." And then at the end, like he's just he's back in space and he's floating around. He's still tied to this damn rocket, and they're like, "Yep." Good thing he's home. He's happy now. It's like, are you even gonna like untie him and let him? Like, what are you doing? Like, he's just an ass. Yeah, it it, it really does. I think there's so there's three distinct suits for Ultraman. There's the A type suit, B type suit, C type suit. I think um, by the time they get to the C type suit, like the last what 15, 20 episodes, maybe that they kind of have all that stuff worked out, and then you get much more of the Ultraman who's uh, like the one we think of now, who's like a honest to god superhero. He acts like the, the adult in the room. Man, I don't feel like he acts like that. I, I I do. I feel like when he gets to the C suit, he's he's not um, spanking kaiju on their asses or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I do think I do think that's a it's a valid point to say like the the show finds its grounding from like it, it gets away from some of the comical stuff and some of the yeah. antics. I think that's true. Plus, you got to think this is this is the first time for, in in the show series. Like they're they're they have to choreograph a different fight with the humanoid. Like it's Ultraman basically judo wrestling other monsters. I think that played a big part until until they found their. But but you're right, man. Him, I just I see him spanking Dodongo in my head over and over right now, and like I can't stop. I can't stop. I know it's horrible. It's a stuff of nightmares. Uh, oh, um, so. Oh yeah, back to Skydon, uh, who probably has the worst death of any monster <laughs> ever. Uh, Bird, Bird tells the story the best way, too. Well, so, so um, in addition to being an episode we mentioned before, this is where that controversial joke uh, came from. Uh, and it, it's, it's crazy to think that that part with the spoon is what um, set everyone off, considering uh, it's one of the more famous moments from the series. But um, So Skydon... His whole thing is he's heavy, you know, he can't be picked up, he can't be moved. Um, so the science patrol just get the idea to shoot him full of uh, 
I don't know if it was helium specifically, but basically blow him up like a balloon. And say, so they shoot this tube up his ass. Uh, legitimately up his ass. In, in the show, they say, aim, aim for his anus. Shoot this up his anus. <laughs> Uh, that that's a thing that actually happens to this poor 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 creature, uh, and so they pump him up f- like a balloon, and he starts floating, uh, and then um, these uh, pilots, right, are are doing like target practice, like these uh, these jets, and they think he's like a target, so they shoot him, and he starts bleeding profusely, and he slams into the ground. And then he gets killed. It's just, it's the worst. It's the worst. I, I don't, I can't imagine, uh, like, at, one, at what point do the writers of this show decide that these, uh, the, these monsters deserve something like that? It's, I, I just, I don't what understand. For the audience, can you? What was the spoon thing? I, I'm trying to remember what that was, but it's, it's escaping my. Well, uh, that that's the part where um, uh, Hayata runs out uh, and oh, instead yeah. of using the beta capsule, speaking of beta capsule, I want to briefly diverge just because I, I think we need to get this out of the way. Um, I hate the beta capsule. Is it because it looks like a vibrator? I knew that's uh, where you go. <laughs> I just think we have to address this. It does, and <laughs> I, I just think it, it looks lame. Like for like this, it looks. Like it doesn't it's, match it's because it looks like a sex toy. It, it looks like a sex toy. It doesn't match like <laughs> the aesthetics of the character, like Ultraman. Like it, it, it doesn't seem alien anyways. <laughs> this is like. I thought it was fine. Everybody that I've been around, like when Ultraman is on, they say, "Why is why does he have a vibrator?" And I was, yeah, listen, I cannot help that your friends like dildos. That's not, I I don't know what they're doing. It does it not look like? Look at it and try to please try to tell me it looks like a vibrator. Buy buy one of the like prop replicas and just put it in like your drawer at home and <laughs> see what your wife yeah, is gonna. Don't my... mention it to your wife and when she opens the drawer, see what what's she gonna say? She's gonna say, Matt, why do you have a, a vibrator in in your drawer? I also think that like I prefer when Ultraman. I know it adds tension because if he loses it or whatever, but I prefer actually when he doesn't need a henshin device it just it, it, for some reason it just it makes more sense to me i know some of the, some of the shows have done it i think um ultraman power did it ultraman the next um but it, it can be done well if, if you need to do it but yeah. it, it becomes kind of tiring when it happens like seven times in 15 episodes which is what happens in a few, a few of the series oh yeah this show does do some cool stuff with it though like we're on um, episode two where it falls off into a ledge like several stories down and so i was gonna like fling himself down a building and and he's got one shot at grabbing this capsule and transforming um because if he screws up on any of the timing he's just gonna, gonna die yeah um oh. <laughs> well uh so with that out of the way another uh important uh question uh is um do you guys know why women don't like ultraman why do why don't uh, we, I don't think he gets many dates. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think women. I think the word on the street is you shouldn't date him. Do you know why? 
Oh, because he only lasts three minutes. Oh my god, Bird is like the worst right now. I'm just gonna ignore your comment, and we're gonna talk about the color timer. Some... <laughs> uh, um, that's where I'm going with that. Uh, uh, am I the only one here that prefers when they that isn't really used as a plot device? Because you always know, like. Has it ever happened, at least in this series, where he has to transform back because he runs out of time? Um, it's beaten. I mean, like, Gomera de- yeah. defeats him, and that's part of it, too. Like, the as Ultraman's getting his ass beat, the color timer starts also yeah, going like, off. Yeah, like, he gets weaker, but, like... So th- that's my problem with it, is the consistency of it. So I think Matt was kind of alluding to it there, like... I don't think they ever say it, but I think the the more energy he expends, or if he's getting his ass kicked, it doesn't have to be three minutes. It, like it could be three minutes maximum, but it seems like if you know he's shooting rays all out of his you know whatever, and or he's getting his butt handed to him, then like it seems like sometimes that three minutes is one minute or thirty seconds. Right. Or, it doesn't really play by its own rules. You know? Yeah. No, I mean it's it's kind of a it's it's a very loose plot device for sure. But it's also one that has been, you know, still used in basically every or most of the Ultraman after that. I mean even like Ultraman X has it and obviously Ultra Seven has something similar and there there's they just don't talk it up as much. It's kind of just like a a thing that you accept, oh, hey, look, something's blinking on one of the Ultramen, so we know that they're getting ready to either lose, they're running short on energy, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. Bird is encountering this now as he's watching Garrow, because Garrow does an homage to this without really explaining it uh, <laughs> yeah, for a I long time. I don't know time. what it means. I'm watching Garrow <laughs> for the first time, and it's, it's I, I'm confused. It has a nice payoff, and okay. you do find out why that's a bad thing. Okay, um... But yeah, man, I mean, uh, let's talk about some more of these monsters, some more of these episodes, because there's some great stuff in here. My favorite episode, definitely probably my favorite Ultra Kaiju, in uh, Hiyotaka Taguchi uh, shares this with me, is we are both big fans of the monster Gabadon, who is uh, a monster uh, drawn by a child and willed into existence just... Because reasons. Uh, so it's this drawing come to life, and he he just wants to sleep, man. I mean, and, and when he walks, he makes these little squeaky sounds. Uh, he looks kind of like a weird, uh, like, white fish thing with big eyes. And he's just walking around, and he just wants to sleep. And he, he, he you know, he sleeps uh, in the middle of the city. He's not bothering anyone. It's just, you know, everyone has to be quiet. So, I mean, he's dis- disrupting da- people's daily lives, but... You know, he's not walking around eating people. He's not destroying cities. You know, he's just he's just sleeping. Uh, and then, of course, big bully Ultraman has to come and beat the shit out of him. Uh, <laughs> and the, the the children who created him are li- literally watching this battle and crying and saying, <laughs> Ultraman, please stop. Don't hurt him anymore. Leave Gabadon alone. He's not a bad monster. He's not bad. Leave him alone. And what's Ultraman do? Ultraman throws his ass into space and turns him into a constellation. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, yeah, you make it sound more, you know, Bird's being more cynical, I think, than he has to be, but that's basically what happens. <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> 
It's a good. It's a good episode. It looks very similar to the lead character slash creature in uh, BioPlanet Wu, actually. Yeah, the um, the the big eyes. Yeah, the cl- yeah. cloud uh, shape. Well, yeah. They did bring Wu into the show with that giant snaggletooth. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I like the little yeti. The yeah, the the yeti monster yeti Wu. Monster. That's a. I I watched that episode not too long ago. I really like that one. I like that good. one. I like both Red King ones. Both Red King ones are. Uh, I love fantastic. the Red King episodes. And Red, Red King, King the shit out of everything. Red King is off. Red King is what Balton. He he should be the big bad instead of Balton. Yeah. I know Red King repeats a lot too. Like Red King after Balton, Red King is probably you know the next. No, Gomera man, Gomera is like in everything. Oh yeah, yeah, Gomera is in everything, and, including and, having his own show basically all yeah, together. Right, right. <laughs> Gamora is my favorite. I think Gamora is Matt's favorite too. Pretty yeah. handily. I really like uh, Gamora a lot. You know, he would, probably would be in my top five of the uh, monsters from this show, but. Uh, I like a lot of the more obscure ones, like I said, Gabadon, and um, but uh, but Red King is probably of the like truly iconic Ultraman monsters that just keeps coming back. He's probably my favorite. He's just his thing is just he's just a mo- a monster of muscle, and he just is just he's a, a big bro, right? The I first mean, time we see him, he's like ripping ripping monsters' arms off, and, and he's, like, ripping off he's like a. <laughs> He's like um, any of the characters from oh, what was that Michael Bay movie? Pain uh, and Gain. Pain and Gain. <laughs> <laughs> I oh like that God. movie, but yeah, he's yeah um, he's he's basically uh, one of the characters from that movie is a is a kaiju. Um, I think my favorite episode is uh, My Home Is Earth, which is a Jisoji directed episode with Jamila. Jisoji uh, directed, I think, all the best ones. He directed the Gabadon episode. He directed. Um, yeah, the Jamila episode. Um, uh, you always know a Jisoji episode because of how it's shot. I mean, it, and and Subaraya liked him because he'd seen some of these experimental short films uh, that he did. Um, Jisoji was, I mean, he was he was a maker of art films, and uh, you know, he his movies are, or well, yeah, he did do movies, but um, his, his episodes, he's always shooting. From these weird angles, like he'll shoot, uh, you know, from, you know, underneath a table, but like there's a glass on top of the table and like he'll film a conversation that way. Just um, I love the guy. He's probably the only director I can think of where he might be one of my favorite directors just based on these on TV work. Um, I remember when Matt saw this episode, he was chatting with us online and uh the the final quote in particular, I know, like really <laughs> mess you up something like super fierce. <laughs> well, we got to Like we got to set it up because the whole thing with this episode is you have this astronaut who basically during the height of the space race is sent into space. They don't say what they purposely don't say which country sent him into space during the same time that he's coming back to Earth. What happens is he sorry, there's a there's basically a disaster. He lands on this other planet. The planet's environment essentially changes him into Jamila. And what happens is he comes down to Earth to sort of exact his revenge on these what he considers these countries that have colluded against him and they're basically trying to hide the fact that he A exists and B what happened to him. And so there's a peace conference going on in Japan at the same time, and Jamila's coming down to Earth to basically stop it and to basically go to the conference and destroy the conference building. Well, the 
the science patrol tells um, the Paris HQ science patrol tells people the J- Japanese version of it to basically ignore that this don't think of Jamila as a person think of him only as a monster and you have to we have to kill him and we have to keep his identity a secret and so when that happens there's this very um, like Ide who's always this comical guy is very like distraught and torn because he realizes that there is this immoral implication by what they're doing they're basically going to kill a human and pretend like nothing really bad happened to him that wasn't even his fault and then at the end Ultraman uh, defeats him. He's because the planet that Jamila was born on doesn't have water. He's weak against water, and Ultraman drowns his ass in water and like shoots water all over him. And then he basically becomes like this big mud bath. One of the best shots in that whole thing is when Jamila's dying and like flopping around in the mud. He's he's splattering mud all over these countries' flags, which is just a great like that sums up the entire episode right there. But after Jamila dies, the conference goes on as normal, but they, they basically raise his plaque to him and dedicate it to him. But then Ide, who sees it, has this quote that I love, and this is how the episode ends. It says, politicians are always like this, only their words are beautiful. And like this was at the height of the whole election shit and everything, and I'm just like, it was like a gut, a gut punch, you know, because you're watching the election, and you're like, damn, I learned more about politics from Ultraman than I do from our own country's politicians. That's how I felt when I watched it. Um, it's just a really good and even depressing episode. And then Kaneko actually used it as a basic story for one of his first uh, drafts for GMK. Right, that was well. That was before it was GMK. It was uh, what Godzilla versus M, where yeah. the, the monster opponent is uh, an an astronaut that comes back transformed into a monster. Um, yeah, but I, I love that episode. It's great. I I've always kind of preferred. Um, the I, I the look of the character does nothing for me. I, I like the for what he's supposed to be. I like um the version in Ultraman Powered actually more, where it's kind of like the suit has kind of fused to him, and it looks yeah. like a merging of like alien proportions <laughs> with like an astronaut suit. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I I like the the this version more than the powered one. Um, did you notice that he has a beard? No. Yep. Yeah, it's a very thin. I had to look at it. Yeah, it's a very thin, like, kind of, uh, uh, um, like beard. But it's it's done to retain some kind of human uh, look. But no, I I love this episode. For I I mean, I can't add anything that Matt didn't add. He summed it up beautifully. Um, and it's it's uh, everything that he said. I mean, I think that a lot of it is the intelligence of Akio Jisoji as a director. And his episodes of this show and Ultra 7 always kind of take these, you know, B-monster storylines and add a real kind of cerebral intelligence to them, um, in addition to just being amazingly artistically directed. Um, like I said, he was a, a director of art films. There's a very surreal quality to his stuff. It's It's almost like if you ask David Lynch to direct episodes of, like, the Adam West Batman series, you know, you're, you're not going to get something normal that you're not going to get something normal that you would see anywhere else in a show, a, a kid superhero show. You're, you're just not. Um, but yeah, it's a great episode. It's, it's sad. It's, it's actually kind of, it's disturbing. It's a fucked up episode. Uh, it really is. <laughs> and, and the, the, the roar of Jamila is actually uh, a baby crying, 
put through like a, a voice modulator uh, and it was done to make the audience like something there being like a subconscious knee-jerk thing for them to react to in in relating to the monster and uh, i mean you it's it's really messed up to see this monster wallowing around and basically melting and wailing like a baby uh it's honestly i watch it and i'm like even for a kid's show like the this is almost a little too much but that's that's why i i love it and um yeah, you can. Jisoji is one of the the greats. Uh, I just can't say enough about how much I love his style and you know what he does uh, in these TV shows. Um, so, what do you guys feel about the uh, the Jiris episode? I like it. I, I, I know it. a lot of people love it. Um, it's 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 a good episode, but it's not in my like top top five you know i I love the kaiju and the episode the the episode has kind of got that wonderful king kong escapes just yeah crazy and and i like i like that they i like that they connect him to loch ness and everything but yeah um i don't know oh i I was gonna say um uh Another Jisoji episode, um, I mentioned the monster graveyard, um, and, you know, I, we were kind of jokingly talking of, you know, giving the rundown of poor Seabaws, but um, that's actually uh, one of the, the better episodes, I think, too. Uh, it's very, yeah, it, despite Ultraman being a complete ass, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's poetic that you have this monster that comes from the, this monster graveyard in the sky, and he just wants to go home, you know? Um and uh, you see uh, a few other monsters in that graveyard, too, including Kimur, who they mentioned by name from Ultra Q, but who actually hasn't, wasn't in an Ultraman episode. Um, but one of the Jisozi, other Jisoji episodes we should talk about is the one with uh, Gama Kujira, the pearl-eating monster. Uh, <laughs> I know you love this one, Bird. <laughs> I, 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 it's, I like it for the Jisoji style, but holy crap is this a sexist episode <laughs> it's it's sexist as hell and i, I it's a lame one did you guys know i, lo- I love only like girls that's <laughs> that's what i learned i love the monster i love that there's a monster that just walks around eating pearls i love the weird little almost phallic tongue thing that comes out and sucks them up uh but yeah, the the stuff with fuji in the episode is basically fuji is acting a fool the whole episode and it's legitimately stated by our characters like she's upset because she doesn't have these pearls that she wants and there's even a they're sitting around a campfire at some point and she storms off and they even say like oh you know women go they when they don't have their pearls they just go crazy it's like what the hell um and obviously you could say oh the show's made in the 60s sexism la 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 but uh Unfortunately, in Japan, I don't know how much better it's gotten. Um, I know women are still like extreme. The pay gap in Japan is still one of the biggest. And uh, and relating to Ultraman, I know there was an episode of Ultraman Orb that was kind of similarly sort of offensive. Um, But yeah, it's messed up. I love the monster though, and I I love the the visuals and everything. But it's. that part of the episode is is messed up. Um, 
how do you guys feel about well we we said we love the red king episodes because well the red king episodes are just monster mashes this is always red king there's a couple other monsters they fight uh and it's awesome but um we should talk about our our our, our little friend pigmon uh who is uh uh horribly murdered uh twice <laughs> in this show um, the first by, one by Pigmon, and the second time by uh, Geronimon, who, that's a great episode, by the way. That is, that is a good one. Um, uh, Pigmon is awesome and depressing all at once, and you also, he, he is, he's, he's a hero, like, he's, he sacrifices himself, I mean, it's, it's a really, I, I actually, like, got it very sad during that episode. <laughs> uh, I guess having a kid is maybe a big softy, but I was like, poor little Pigmon, sequel. Yeah. Uh, Pigmon has become one of the iconic uh, characters. People love him. Uh, I listened to a whole podcast with uh, the composer Michael, G- Michael Giacchino talking about his love for Pigmon, although he calls him Pigman. Um, but uh, yeah, a very popular monster. And um, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's almost cruel that they would introduce this cute human sized monster that kids are going to love and then. Not once, but twice, brutally murder him at the end. Uh, I, I was watching. Well, that's become a staple. Like <laughs> they, they kill him and everything. Yeah, they bring him back in multiple. Yeah, he's theories. like Kenny from South Park. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I was watching the Geronimon episode, and like Pigmon was jumping around, acting a fool, flapping his hands, and making these noises. My girlfriend walked in with uh, her her three year old daughter. Um, uh, and they're like, "Oh, this monster! Oh, he's so cute! I love him!" And then Pigma, uh, and then Geronimon literally takes his hand and just slams it down on him, and <laughs> and his body just like flops over. And they're like, "Oh my god, what is this?" <laughs> oh man, poor little Pigmon. Um, we mentioned it already, but the Gamora episodes are, are yeah, the, uh, those, those are two parter. Yeah, it, it, the two parter. Um, I don't even know if it needs to be two parts, but both they're, they're both really good. I really like those. Um, I like the Antlar episode, the big beetle monster. It kind of gets into the myth of Ultraman and that he was something uh, that maybe Pre- visited yeah. Earth. Yep. Um, so, and that concept I, of Ultraman Noah that was revisited later in uh, Nexus. I think... Um, and it may just be me, but the discussion highlights something that I that I at least have a problem with. Okay, so <clears throat> when you discuss like sort of the the, the best uh, monsters and the best episode, the most memorable episodes, they always seem to be at the kind of the beginning or the middle, and the end when the show is actually starting to like um, it's finding its footing. Like I, those episodes always kind of blur together. There's nothing that really stands out to me. Um, it's always that first, maybe 50, 60% that I latch on to. And well, there's some good stuff towards the end. That's there where, uh, Dada shows up. Um, the alien Dada, that's one of the weirdest and probably most famous episodes. Uh, that's where, you know, you have Wu, you have Skydon, you have the Geronimon one where, um, you know, um, with Pigmon and all those other monsters, um, the Telestan. Those are Telestan is a cool no, episode. That's a great episode. Yeah, I think the the last episode is actually very good because, like, you have this. First of all, it introduces uh, Zeton or Zeton, which is a, a very iconic monster. But the the other thing is um, the way that Ultraman leaves. 
in the, in the fact that he's essentially going to be defeated and he has to turn over the responsibilities of protecting Earth to the Science Patrol, and then they're the ones that have to, to, to kill the monster. Like, I think that's a great transition in the series. And it leaves it on like this very high note where Ultraman is not leaving them high and dry. Um, he's he, When he leaves, ultimately, he's leaving them in what we see as very capable hands. And I think that plays out really well. I, I would put that probably in my my top five. See, I'm... I feel I like I like what you said about how it's actually not Ultraman that kills the monster. It's the science patrol and that kind of like he passes the torch to them. But I don't know. I feel like Zeton, it, it's kind of underwhelming when it's like, OK, here's this big bad. It's the last episode. Let's go. And he just gets blown up by a missile. You know, it's eh, you yeah. Zeton is. Uh, I agree with what Matt said. Like, I like that passing the torch. Um, it works for me here. It doesn't work for me like Godzilla versus Destroyer. And like, it's Godzilla's final opponent. Like, he needs to take him out personally. Um, but I, I think um, Matt and I both watched Ultraman X semi recently. And uh, what's that? The final villain? Grisa. Grisa is awesome. Yeah. Grisa does a better job of of. Uh, it was a very memorable sort of final opponent that just seems unstoppable as, as all get out and i i never zedin is another one like baltan where i'm like i get that he has his place in the lore he's iconic but i still don't get that sense of dread i i have i, I understand um zeton more than i do baltan but um i'm always a little bit like i just feel like there's something missing there where they could have pushed it a little bit further yeah um I think we've talked about most of our favorite episodes, so we're going to wrap up and get to the next series. Um, but a couple, <clears throat> I guess, honorable mentions, just to kind of go through quick. Uh, Dodongo is a, an interesting one because it's a two-person suit, and that episode is really odd. Um, that's where there's the mummy that wakes up. and The mummy is the best part of that, too. Yeah, by yeah. The way. Um, and Yoshio Tsuchiya is in that one, right? I do believe. I think he is. is. He's in. He's in all of. He's in all three of these shows at some point. I think. Yes. But um, yep. uh, Giango, who's like the weird prankster monster, I that love looks that like one. a uh, like a totem pole. They um, reuse the Ben Miller suit. Yeah, he, he's fun, and uh, that's where you see some Toho props being reused, like uh, the A cycle light rays from Monster Zero um, come in and, and fight him. Um, speaking of props, the VTOL. And this is actually the VTOL from Gorath. Uh, same ship. Um, same, uh, same prop. Um, and then uh, I'm looking through my Subaraya Kaiju Encyclopedia. Um, a cool monster, but I'm not too hot on the episode, is Gabira, the like narwhal thing. Um, uh, oh, there's Bluton, who is like a... That's a cool episode. It, 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 like a giant it, rock thing. It looks I like a heart. Or something. Yeah. Like an organ of some sort, and it alters reality. Um, Abaras, and is it... Starts with a P. Vanilla. Ben- yeah, or Vanilla. Starts with a B. Uh, that's a cool episode um, where they fight in that like stadium. and uh, I like the ones where there's more than one monster. Those are always fun. <laughs> um Oh, we also, uh, another iconic character is Zareb, uh, Seijin, who has a mouth that looks like an anus. <laughs> anus, yeah. 
<laughs> but he would sh- he's easy he shows up a lot in in throughout the Ultraman franchise. And then finally I want to talk about the uh Hi- Hidora or Hydra episode, which is actually pretty cool because he's the spirit of children that are killed in uh auto accidents, which is uh another kind of oddly poetic episode. Um But yeah, man, it's a fun series. And, um, I think if you like Toho Kaiju, um, Ultraman is a nice logical next step. Um, I'm, I'm going to date myself again, which I've done like five times talking about VHS tapes and monster cafes that have been, who were open for like two months in the nineties. But, uh, so, um, speaking of you know saying you know hey if you like kaiju you should at least check out ultraman um i remember it didn't seem like kaiju fans were super hot on ultraman for a little while it seems like um there was a little bit of a disconnect between you know godzilla and gamera fans and ultraman fans um because i think maybe the soup because of the superhero genre um I think that disconnect is still there, and I think it's even more prominent with stuff like Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, or Garo. I mean, my opinion is that they're all there's a there there's something in all of those for us to love. Um, and uh, I think it's very weird that Sentai and Power Rangers has that disconnect because those are legitimate giant monster shows. Those are kaiju shows. Um, but I feel like Ultraman, at least for Godzilla and Gamera fans, I feel like a lot of them didn't really gravitate towards Ultraman until after Final Wars, like, where there was, like, this dry spell, and, and that's when the Ultraman DVDs hit the U.S., and I think a lot of people probably went out and got those, and I need something, and, um, and we're like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I mean, am I, am I just making that up in my head? Is that a fake timeline, or? That's. Literally, when I when I did that, when I uh, started watching Ultraman and, and Kamen Rider, right, right, uh, same, same here. But uh, I feel like that's where that disconnect was like bridged. Yeah, for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I got into Ultraman much later than both of you, but I, I remember like watching uh, Ultra Seven on TNT on occasion, like mm-hmm. in the morning before yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we should mention too, like the, the DVDs that are out. Uh, where they were put out by BCI, but then Mill Creek, BCI folded, Mill Creek then took over, and the the DVDs they put out, um, if you're watching, they do have the dub, but the dub version they have are the, the ones that were edited for TV time slots for running time. So, like, if you watch the, the dub where they don't have the dub there, it will, like, go back and forth mm. between English and Japanese. Right, so. yeah, the audio isn't the best on the dub either because... Um BCI, they did because that they didn't have they don't have access to Subaraya's archives, you know, because the the U.S. rights holder unfortunately is Chayo. So the the best elements they could come up with is um, audio that came from the old uh, VHS releases. So that's why it's a little bit more muffled, a little bit lower in the mix. Um, but uh, uh, I do like the dub. Um, it's a lot of familiar voices. You have you know. Peter Fernandez and, and, and those guys that did a lot of the AIP um, Toho and, and Gamera stuff. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the voices are, are great. Um, AIP, I, 
I wish dubs that were done now. We we need to stuck with all the uh, international you know, dubs that Toho puts out for their films. Like, I wish we could go back to the golden days of like Tetra and AIP. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, buddy. Um, but I don't know, man. Yeah, we we should wrap up Ultraman because we got a whole other freaking show to watch. So Bird's getting tired, everybody. This is uh, this I'm is tired. not. It's just we've got we're over <laughs> two hours now. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I'm ready to to just say it's a fun show. Cool monsters. Um, the Jisoji episodes are true gems of the genre, and um, I'm I'm a fan. I mean, there's so much Ultraman that you know, I, it, it's almost impossible to keep up and watch a billion shows. I don't know how some of these people do it, but this is a great show. Um, uh, it's it's easily accessible. And um, it's got A.G. Tsuburaya's fingerprints all over it. So, I mean, if you're a fan of Showa Toho, give this and Ultra Q a shot. Um, because of the amount of episodes, I mean, more than double, well, not quite. No, it's 39. It's 39. Okay, 39. So it's still a considerably uh, longer series than Ultra Q. And because of that, you do have more filler episodes. Um but it's it's worth watching uh powering through it and watching it cuz it's it's just a fun fun show. Uh I give it a 4 and a half. If I were, if I were evaluating it on like some sort of critical level, I think that Ultra Q is stronger, but I think my enjoyment of this is higher, so I'm going 5. 5 out of um, five. Yeah, I'll say that I think if you're a Kaiju fan this will probably is uh, is the best gateway series of the three. It's got the the best sort of kaiju action. Um, a lot of the most iconic ultra monsters are from this show. Um, it's got sort of the best sort of giant monster wrestling vibe of the three. So um, it's very uneven. Uh, it's very Saturday morning cartoon logic for a lot of it. Um, but because um, some of those really deep philosophical episodes and the sort of just the fun colorfulness of it all, I'd, I'd say I prefer it to Ultra Q, so a 4.5. Okay. I will say that I think the worst monster suit is, is Pestar, because it's obviously two guys like holding hands with like a bat head in the middle. And like one of the, one of them will like fall, <laughs> and like, it's like yeah. no real no real creature could ever move like this. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, somewhat, Matt. I well, I don't know if you want uh, segue into uh, segue us into nineteen sixty eight. Someone. All right. That was our Ultraman discussion. I hope you enjoyed it. So uh, tune in next week for the third and final part of our Ultraman spectacular that is going to be Ultra 7. Thank you very much.